Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Journey to Counseling. This is your favorite one third of the hosted <laughs> group. This is Missy. And I have with me Monica and Chelsea. Welcome, Monica and Chelsea. Hola. Hey, Hello, everybody. everybody. Hi. It's good to have you all back. So, in our last episodes, um, in parts one and two, we had been reviewing how our clinical interests developed, what it looks like now, and the roles that influential people and mentors have played in our clinical journeys. And in this episode, we will be talking about um, our mental health experiences and how we've attended to our mental health while we were in grad school. So a little heads up to our listening community that this conversation will center around issues of mental health. And so we encourage you to take a break for yourself if you need to, care for yourself any way that you can, if any of the conversations that we're having in this episode is triggering for you. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's get in there. So I was in the same cohort with the both of you. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I started and finished grad school with the both of you. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yes. 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 And I'm wondering, you know, mental health is one, is our profession. And two, it's also gaining a lot of traction mm -hmm. in, you know, in non-mental health spaces. Media conversations, a lot of news articles. And globally, too, a lot of political focus has been placed on mental health and access to mental health, how to ensure um, healthy uh, mental and psychological well-being. And I'm wondering for you both, um, would you be open to sharing a little bit about the ways that you attended to your mental health while in graduate school? You know, because mm -hmm. knowing what we know about grad school is not the kindest place. Mm -hmm. No, it is not. And so I'm just wondering how y'all did it. How did y'all maintain, how did y'all maintain your mental health? Mm. I'm thinking about so many things. Mm -hmm. As you ask that question, Missy, um, mm -hmm. the first thing that comes up is when I started grad school, I think I wasn't really attending to my mental health. And so I believe that there was a point where I was kind of forced to pay attention to it. Um, so, you know, taking that into perspective, it's definitely not something I think most people go into grad school kind of prioritizing. Um, maybe y'all have different experiences, but I don't think I did. I think I just kind of streamed right along and um, tried to take things as they come, the stressors and I think of myself as a pretty good adapter to new situations and new stressors. And so, um, you know, but like you said, grad school places a lot of demand on you in many different and new ways mm -hmm. than undergrad even. And you're adjusting to a new city in, in most cases, at least we were in Carbondale. Oops, was I supposed to say that? We can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I think people, if people look us up, they'll know we were in Carbondale. I think that's public information. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, it's also relevant that we were in a, a rural area because um, once I did, part of me taking care of my own mental health was looking for 
um, a therapist I could see on my own, my own time. And um, there were some role overlap uh, issues we ran, in, you can run into in a, in a small town. Um, you know, many therapists that were out there, we maybe collaborated with in certain ways, or um, they could have been our supervisors or could have worked in the same clinic that we worked in or have some, had some kind of evaluative role. And so um, just trying to find therapy, honestly, as a grad student and thinking about affordability too, um, made it a bit tough. So I think for me, I was just really, grad school really forced me to start paying attention to okay, what are the basic things I am doing or rather am not doing that are good for my mental health, such as, you know, making sure that I make uh, healthy, balanced meals and drink enough water and go to bed at a decent time, which for the first two years or so in grad school, I was just not even really paying attention to that. And my mental health kind of suffered. Um, I think having good friends like the two of you was such a huge help and um, support just all throughout grad school, but it definitely would have been really difficult without that social support aspect. So mm -hmm. uh, those are just the things that kind of come to mind initially for me when thinking about grad school and mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I have so many things that are coming through my mind and I'm trying to organize my thoughts around it. But there's there's so much I'm thinking about. Um, there's definitely things. So there, there's moments that I've attended to my mental health and moments I didn't. But some of the times were because I could and other times because I couldn't. So, for example, being able to afford a therapist. So there's different kinds of factors in that. And I think something I've, I've shared with the both of you is that, um, like, mentorship and community was always something very important to me. And I had that a lot in undergrad. Um, and I did go to an institution that is now a Hispanic-serving institution. But in our graduate program is a predominantly white institution. And I, like, it was just very noticeable, the, the lack of community and the lack of Latinos that were there. So in terms of attending to my mental health, like, sometimes I, I couldn't because I, I didn't know other Latinos that were either peers or faculty or administrators. Um, and that was just something that was lacking. And I, I didn't think it would affect my mental health as much as it actually did. Um, but it's like, what, what can I do around that when we're in a, a town or a city that doesn't, that is not very diverse. Mm -hmm. And I guess the other things that are coming to mind is that I, I do recognize that I use school and academics as a way to distract and cope. Like I would, for me, work was my way of, of just 
being productive and not always attending to my emotional needs. But I think that's just so easy to do when you're in graduate school. And um, I do want to say that graduate school, it does impact uh, graduate students' mental health. And given that we're all researchers, I, I do want to maybe just briefly give a, a statistic. So um, on a systemic review and meta-analysis of depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation among PhD students, mm -hmm. um, this is a hopefully I'm pronouncing their name correctly, Satinsky and colleagues um, from an article published this year, um, they did indicate that there is clinically significant symptoms of depression among uh, PhD students as well as anxiety symptoms and suicidal ideation. So this is not something that's just coming from us. There is actual research on this, not only in the United States, but uh, around the world. And I usually kept hearing as I was starting my program, like, oh, college is hard, graduate school is hard. And another part of me is like, why does that have to be normal? Like, I understand it has, it's challenging, but but does it really have to get to that point? And, and I guess a part of me feels a lot of different emotions in, in saying this, because I did hear people say, take care of yourself, do self-care. But I often felt like it was just like lip service. And I didn't always feel like systems or um, the work that I was doing actually supported that. So I am coming into this conversation feeling a bit anxious, um, sad, um, and I think there is a, a bit of anger in there too, but I also want to be real that these things do happen in graduate school, and just because we're in counseling psychology, this does not mean we, we aren't also affected. I think more than anything, sometimes there's... Uh, like shame, or at least for me, because I feel like from all the people, I feel like I should be knowing the most in terms of like how to look after myself and my mental well-being. But sometimes it's hard. So I, I'm just kind of, those are the things that are coming to my mind, Missy. I'm not mm -hmm. sure what what you're thinking or how are things for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I appreciate, you know, providing us some of the statistics, because I think sometimes we forget exactly how real these experiences are. And um, it also saddens me that it's so normal that, like, you're basically told to prepare mm -hmm. for that. And I think, you know, in our private conversations, we've all talked about the ways that some reform could be introduced in, in just grad school, especially PhD uh, psychology programs and, and such. And I think I too had to be very mindful of my mental health and mindful of the things that I was engaging in, the things I was telling myself, because grad school really takes a lot from you. Mm -hmm. and one thing that was helpful for me in attending to my mental health and something that I still live by is I don't get paid to be stressed out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to recognize how do I live this out? Because yeah, certain things are stressful. You know, studying for tests is a normal type of stress. Um, 
preparing for prelims is a normal type of stress. Mm-hmm. You know, things that require evaluation is a normal type of stress. But then certain things that do not have to be stressful are made stressful in graduate school. Like getting access to textbooks. Yeah. And- <laughs> yep. Are you in a parking spot? <laughs> <laughs> You know, having to alternate some years buying a parking sticker, some years not buying a parking sticker so I could have a little bit of money to buy food. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way at all. Mm-hmm. But I think you all give really good points. And I think there definitely needs to be some reform and a lot of conversation about how do we create grad school in a way that doesn't impact people's mental health so negatively because mm-hmm. I believe I strongly may, maybe I'm being too much of a optimist and maybe I just I don't know but I just really believe that there's something that can be done mm-hmm. yeah and and thinking about how we were attending to our mental health in grad school I'm wondering if and I think Chelsea you mentioned a little bit about this you know some of the barriers to addressing our mental health and specific things that mm-hmm. got in the way. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the, the barriers that come to mind? What are some of the things that made it challenging for you both in addressing, wanting to address your mental health but being unable to? Because I can mm-hmm. think about a few. Yeah. I can go first if, if you want Unless you're dying to to go, Chelsea. Um, uh, I can say, so for me, like some parts that I'm thinking about are, sometimes I wasn't always smart about choosing my my own battles. So there are, we all have different kinds of marginalized identities. And I think being... And, and not just like our graduate program, but I think just navigating a, a system. Sometimes there are factors that are a little bit more challenging to, to face. When, for example, for me, when you're a first generation student or um, you're trying to navigate imposter feelings, and especially because of of background or or things that have come in the past that have impacted that. And I think some of the barriers are, for me, I didn't always know how to advocate for myself or how to speak up for certain things. And a lot of my mental health was affected because of that. Um, Things people said or did, and sometimes people in power, I didn't always know how to ask for things to be to be made right, and sometimes when that did happen, um, there would be consequences to that. So I think a big barrier for me personally was not always having an ally or having a safe person or a safe space where I could, where I knew I could go to. But I think another barrier for me, I do come from a family that always valued hard work and a strong work ethic. Like my dad would always say like, oh, if somebody asks you to do this much, you always give a little more. And part of the narrative is that um, 
people don't expect much from me. But at the same time, they do. And so it's kind of weird to navigate that. And I don't even know if that makes sense. As I'm saying this, like people it expect a lot sense. and very little. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm just holding a lot through, throughout this conversation because a lot of it is based on identities. Some of it is based on like my own knowledge in terms of like taking care of myself. I, I come from working parents. Taking care of yourself is just not something that I was taught. My parents would literally be those kinds of people that would wait until the last minute before they go to the doctor. And that was what was modeled for me. So I'm just kind of reflecting in terms of like, what are things that I learned? And how did this morph and evolve into barriers for me to take care for myself? Um, mm. So those are just some things that I'm, I'm reflecting on, right? Like literally as I'm talking about mm -hmm. this with you both, mm -hmm. that I'm kind of realizing, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's there. And yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll pause there because I just have a lot of thoughts, but I'm not finding like the most effective ways to articulate what I'm thinking. And I think we're following you pretty, yeah. pretty well. At least I am. Yeah. I, I appreciate what you're saying, Monica. And I can also relate to what you said about not exactly knowing how to advocate for myself or really what that would look like specifically in a professional setting in an academic mm -hmm. type of setting. I feel like I went through undergrad, um, kind of just in a way, figuring things out, figuring out a lot of things on my own or looking things up through research and then just looking up where to go, who to ask, and then doing it, but not really doing that in context of, forming relationships with people mm -hmm. you know my academic advisor was not someone that knew anything about me or my life um and so I've always just seen school and I think I, I viewed grad school as a set of honestly it sounds kind of bleak but a set of hoops to jump through and yep. sometimes mm -hmm. it's hard sometimes it's easier and you just do it, you know, um, yeah. and every, like everyone struggles, everyone has their battles and that's true. But within that can kind of come with a sense of powerlessness if, if you're not, um, stretching those, stretching your comfort zone and reaching out for help and talking about what actually is going on for you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think I found that happening with myself um, in grad school and a specific memory kind of comes up too with this question. So, um, and speaking, speaking of a barrier, I think for me, a big barrier to summarize it would be that I, I didn't really think it was okay to struggle. Okay. To, um, you know, have a hard time in school or, do poorly in a class or make a C in a class mm -hmm, which in grad mm -hmm. school is failing. Yeah. Um, up until that point, I'd, I'm sure as many of us can relate to this experience, but, you know, made really high grades in classes and um, on paper performed 
excelled, right? And then mm-hmm. when you're in grad school, things are weighed a little differently. They're graded differently. You're evaluated differently. And there's also a lot more demands. It's just harder at times. It really pushes your limits. And yeah. this memory coming up for me is when I didn't pass our measurement class. Mm. And um, I felt it was really the first time since I've been in school besides maybe making a a failing a a quiz in high school chemistry, but (laughs) that I really felt, um, I guess, feelings of feelings of being a failure and fear that Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be smart enough for this. Um, You know, people that get their graduate degrees and their PhDs, they don't fail classes. They don't have to take things over a second time. Clearly, you know, it was just, imposter syndrome yeah galore and uh Mm -hmm. I think that was a learning curve for me to understand like okay not everything has such a linear path not everything you know we're not gonna take on every challenge and conquer it the first time um and it's okay if things look a little messy or feel a little messy sometimes and just kind of learning to sit with that that um, challenge to perfectionism and those gray areas was a big learning curve for me and um, I would say that was a big barrier going in was kind of having those really high expectations and not really imagining what it could look like for me to mm-hmm. struggle in mm-hmm. academic sense so yeah yeah Yeah, I can very strongly relate to what you both shared. You know, that imposter phenomenon was such a barrier in addressing my mental health for me as well. You know, and Monica, what you've mentioned too, like past lessons that I had learned about seeking help and like showing quote unquote weakness, Mm -hmm. you know, um, as a black woman, as an immigrant black woman, sometimes there are these messages that I hear And these um, sort of standards that others hold me to or that I like have internalized and hold myself to that make it difficult for me to recognize when I'm struggling and when to like ask for help that I remember in grad school would put me in these positions where like it's so much better to just been like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you please help me? Mm-hmm. Or like, this is too much. Like you're asking too much of me and I can't do it. Um, and not feel bad about it or not feel like I'm letting myself down. Because in reality, I was letting myself down by stretching myself thinner mm-hmm. than, I could, than I could afford to. Um, and it, it makes me sad sometimes to look back at that. But I'm also glad that you know, I'm unlearning. And as I continue in my journey as a young professional, I'm like learning little by little how to get out of my own way and addressing my mental health and how to recognize the the barriers, how to, you know, essentially just like take back my own power and empower myself mm-hmm. to do what is best for me and what is best for my mental health. But sometimes it's tricky because I think we can all relate to sometimes people make you feel shame. People make you feel like you're being selfish. Mm -hmm. People make you feel like you're being lazy or that you don't care enough. Um, Like all of these other things that people put on us to sort of 
essentially make it a lot harder for us to take care of ourselves, which really mm-hmm. sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And not to mention that our almost full-time, one of our almost full-time jobs was learning how to be a therapist and learning mm-hmm. how to become, yep. a, become a clinician, a psychologist. Mm-hmm. So, While taking classes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so it was really, for me, difficult to uh, hold all of those things at once and feel like I could I could be the one really needing help or needing to find a therapist when that was that was what I was gearing up for to do the rest of my career so Mm -hmm. yeah I'm so glad that we because I (laughs) I also failed measurement (laughs) or technically you know I got a C too that was the first time in my life I ever felt something and I just resonated so much with what you said actually my parents don't even know that (laughs) <laughs> so if my parents ever I don't think they will they don't really understand English but yeah I, I just I'm just I'm so grateful I got to retake that class with you Chelsea <laughs> me too uh, experiences experiences many <laughs> experiences yeah. yeah and I think as we think about you know the the community that we're aiming to serve in terms of potential prospective students. I'm wondering if you'll have any words of wisdom for students, um, current students, prospective students in graduate school in you know, either psychology, counseling, psych, or other mental health related fields about what steps they could take or what are some of the things that they can do to prioritize their mental health as they mm-hmm. start to Engage in this very long, very long, very, very long, very long, and sometimes arduous journey. <laughs> mm. uh, I had a one thing come to mind is don't compare yourself to other people. If I could give myself any advice looking back, it's try your best not to compare yourself in terms of how old you are in comparison to other people in your program or what kind of school they went to or that they came from, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe how many research publications they have or how many, whether they, they have their masters and they're coming in with a lot of clinical experience and you're just coming out of undergrad. Those were uh, things that I sometimes thought about in relation to other people in the program and that all boils back down to my own perceptions of myself and my own I guess um fears about will I be good enough am I good enough to be here and Mm -hmm. I think it's so important to really orient yourself to the grad school experience based in what what strengths you're bringing to the table, what experiences mm-hmm. you are bringing mm-hmm. to the table, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, really bringing those things to light. Like I, I worked for several years as a, a server in a restaurant, which on paper, on my resume, isn't something I would really talk about, you know, in an interview or 
um, especially like in an academic setting. But in reality, I learned social skills from that job. I learned time management skills, how to uh, navigate different uh, really intense emotions in a short period of time with different people. And those are all great skills to have in mm-hmm. grad school and as a counselor. And so if I would have focused on the things that were, that I had going for me more so from an earlier stage, I think I would have felt more confident earlier on and felt more self-assured. Um instead of getting caught up in comparing myself to other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we compare ourselves to other people too, it takes away from the ability to really connect with them. Um, and so that's just something to kind of think about. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reflecting on what you've both shared. And I... I don't even know if there's like more to add because I think you've all, you know, said it so well of one, recognizing the skills that you're already bringing, the strengths that you already have, and also recognizing what your capabilities and your limitations are in terms of like what you can do at a given time and what you cannot do, you know, based on whatever it is. And I think for me too, what I would add that I had to learn the really difficult way is in grad school, there is a lot of pressure to like constantly be busy mm-hmm. and constantly be stressed out. And there's almost like a competition. That's like the expectation. Yeah. Like you should always be busy. And you should always be stressed to the point of like being sick. And even when you're sick, you should come to school. And I am here to tell you that's a damn lie. And it's a damn shame. And I don't know if I can cuss, <laughs> but here we are. Um, it's a shame and it's a lie. And mm-hmm. you have to be very intentional and very mindful to not let that pressure get you. Because people will shame you for like taking rest mm-hmm. and, not, and not coming to things because you're sick. And if you think about it, if you go to things while sick, you're putting others at risk. And a particular person comes to mind who was an instructor <laughs> in a <our> program. <laughs> I'm thinking about the same person. Yes. Who came coughed on somebody who was on this. I'm not going to say too much, but coughed on somebody who was, you know, one of the hosts of this, um, of this podcast. And was, that's not okay. That's not okay <laughs> at all. So it's okay. It's okay to not be busy all the time. It's okay to need rest and don't let people shame you for that that's all that i will add that you all Um, have given really great really great insights monica you were going to say something yeah i'll just briefly say like really do invest in your relationships Mm -hmm. invest in your social support system the schoolwork everything you have to do is always going to be there like sure you could maybe spending more time studying or spending more time on a paper or an essay is going to maybe give you a better grade or better evaluation. But at the end of the day, when you're not doing well, like the people who are going to be there for you supporting you are the people you've spent time investing in. So I, I would really just emphasize, especially if any of our listeners are still in undergrad, like spend time socializing. Yes. 
invest in those relationships and maintain that because in graduate school, that's really the main thing that has gotten me through. Yes, I completely agree. I cannot remember how many times y'all, you know, came through to me and my other friends that I had. And like, when I think about grad school, like I don't remember like, so like oh my gosh I did so great in this like remember when I got this A it like no <laughs> which of the which of the A's are uh, we talking about <laughs> the ones the ones that I I sweated and cried for but like nobody talks about that a lot of my memories are like when we would go get food when we go walk or like extra long goodbyes and our sleepovers you know mm-hmm. and our you know the the many times we cooked for one another cried over measurement yes cried over measurement screamed about something just like lay on the floor and and wear vegetables and didn't do anything and like it's important i appreciate you bringing that up so to to kind of wrap us up um are there any words of wisdom for our listeners to live by this week hmm Anything that anybody wants to share? I would say, you know, that given that it's uh, holiday seasons coming up close, Mm -hmm. I, I would just say know that it's okay to establish your own boundaries and that taking care of yourself sometimes does mean having some distance even from family members. And that can be okay. So I hope uh, for whoever needs to listen to this that you can give yourself permission to listen to your own needs and to be kind to others, but also to yourself if you're needing that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Thank you for sharing that. Chelsea, do you have any words of wisdom for us to live by? If you don't, that's okay too. No pressure. Well, I think what Monica said just kind of reminded me of a mantra that I've been trying to live by the past uh, several months, really, but more recently it just feels more salient is that it is, it really is okay to disappoint people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sometimes, sometimes we have to. Sometimes. Yeah. Can you say it louder for the people in the back? <laughs> <laughs> Disappoint. Um, no, but sometimes we just have to take care of ourselves and make a decision that's best for us. Whether that means setting, uh, setting or maintaining a boundary, like you said, Monica, or uh, choosing not to make ourselves small in an interaction, choosing not to, you know, change or modify something about ourselves to make other people comfortable. Mm -hmm. And if that translates to someone feeling disappointed or uncomfortable, then, um, you know, I think, I think that's just kind of where the buck ends sometimes is it's okay. It's okay. And we don't have to solve. It's not an equation we have to solve. Um, kind of letting ourselves be free of that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. 
I appreciate that. Learning that too. I think for a lot of us immigrant kids, it is such a scary thing to let people down. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Um, unfortunately, I do not have any words of wisdom. I'm just here to receive words of wisdom. Your presence is wisdom, Missy. Oh, Monica! <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But I appreciate you all for sharing today, for being vulnerable. Um, and like we mentioned in the earlier parts of this episode, we are talking about stuff. So, you know, take care of yourself as you need. Pause at any point. Lay down if you need to. Do whatever you need to take care of yourself. And thank you so much for joining us. And as always, remember to breathe in. And breathe breathe out. out. Thank you all so much. And we hope that you join us again for another episode of Journey to Counseling. Y'all have a great week ahead. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care, y'all.